And here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular ever. Well, uh, the other one just stuck them up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Kavner. With me as always, Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film absolutely amazing or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other is don't be crazy. So, Zach, in the month of October, where it's all spooky and crazy, I ask you to please don't be crazy. Never never trust a big butt in a smile. And or smile. <laughs> and or smile. That girl, she's poison. Yeah, I heard about her. <laughs> Hi, Justin. How are oh, you? I'm good. No complaints. Um, this time, by the time this posts, you will be a wedded man. Pretty oh, crazy, my gosh. right? Yes. Pretty crazy, right? I'm excited. One lucky fan got to write in and become my bride. <laughs> when you were in prison, she wrote <laughs> into you. You guys put your hands to the fo- the glass and had the little phones and everything. Traded yep. a bunch of cigarettes so you could meet her. <laughs> yep. She's like, wow, your dorky voice really wooed me. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. You had, a, yeah. you had a poster of Rita Taylor and you dug a hole through it. And uh, yeah, there you go. Rita Hayworth. Hayworth. There you go. I'm bad I'll take names. a taste. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> High school sweetheart. Right. Yeah. yeah but anyways, cool. how's it going otherwise? Good. Today's been a long day. I got up so early. Got up at like five something. And then I went back to bed and woke up at like six something. <laughs> Jesus. But, uh, I, uh, I had a long day. Well. With doctor's appointments and the work job and some recorded some videos for the work job and then was in the car forever because of commuting and. I'm home and I'm excited and I'm ready to record. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I also had a busy day, but it wasn't too bad because I work from home. But uh, it was a lot of um, I have a stand up desk, so a lot of standing, a lot of thinking and a lot of talking. But nice. um, it, it, it is OK because I'm done for the day and now I get to record with my friend and then I'm going to watch some baseball and some football and it's going to be a sports filled evening. Oh, man. Speaking of football, so I got to watch Red Zone for the first time ever. Mm-hmm. And it was the coolest goddamn thing ever. Just watching mm-hmm. like four games at once. <laughs> yeah. Just basically one highlight after another. And I was so engaged. <laughs> I literally watched like all these games at once. And it was so cool. I, I enjoyed every second of it. I had never done that before. And I, I, I don't ever want to watch football any other way. Like, yeah. It, it's really cool. Uh, and I can't remember what the guy's name is. Chris, not Chris Hansen. It's like Chris something who hosts it. Uh, Super cool host, and it, it's just a fun idea because Scott Hansen, there you go. It's, um, I mean, those are the most exciting times, right? And it's mm-hmm. nice to be able to see all the different games when it comes down to those clutch moments. And like, it's crazy when they do the quad screen. There was always like the hashtag, it was like four screen or quad screen, screen or something, because then you get to see everything happening at once. And I saw it one time when like every team scored like consecutively within a few seconds. It was pretty yeah. awesome. It was pretty neat. I was I was impressed. Yeah, it's a that, great that, great idea. That's Scott Anson. He keeps uh, his head on a swivel. Oh man, totally. So they are also working on a, a package deal with the NFL where you can pay because uh, Directv has the Sunday ticket and but it's like you know a hundred and something a year and you get all the games but you don't get your team's games. I think <laughs> which is so dumb. I know it's just like MLB, <laughs> but yeah. I think they're working on a single team deal where you can get your team's games all the time. And I was like, that would be sweet. Yeah. 
So. Regardless of your region, you just get exactly no blackouts. Yeah. It is it's yeah. really stupid. It, like I get it, I totally understand it. But I mean, with Root Sports owning the Mariners, uh, my my roommate's YouTube TV is logged into his Tampa Bay account, but I still can't get the Mariners because it knows I'm on Seattle internet. So I'm like, right. whatever, man. But lame. I know it is what it is. But what are you gonna do, right? Complain. Go to your nearest internet and complain. Go to your ISP and complain. This internet is bad. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So what have you been watching? Not much. Uh, I actually did watch um, Candyman because Rob or Rob because Steve and I. (laughs) Candyman. You're my man. You got a hook. (laughs) You live for a green. (laughs) Oh, that's good too. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So actually, after Steve and I were talking about the Candyman sequel, sequel remake sort of thing, uh, he's like, you should rewatch it. And uh, this is probably like the fourth time I've seen it since you got it for me for my birthday. And I fucking love that movie. I think it's so cool. I love the music. I love Tony Todd. I think it's just gruesome. I don't like when he kills people and he's going uh, and he's like grunting. I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's weird. He's he's very tired when he's killing people. But right. Um, yeah, it's a it's a pretty intense movie. So watch that for like the fourth time. And then I've been watching a lot of Mariners games. Um, it's been pretty crazy and it's been fun and awesome. And then I also finished The White Lotus, that TV show, and I can't recommend it to anybody. Um, Watch it, I guess, if you want. But I was at a point halfway through the the series when I just wanted it to be over and I powered through it and I there was no redeeming quality. Everyone was garbage. Um, They're all awful, awful people in the show. And I hated every moment of it. It wasn't I like the music a lot and I like the style, but everything about it. It didn't it didn't serve any purpose for me other than being like, sweet, I already knew that these rich people are terrible. So I can't recommend it. You would hate it. I guarantee that you would hate it. You would be like, I like because you like watching shows with good people and these are not good people. I'm sorry. Have you watched that Netflix show? Oh, it's like in Korean. It's like a game game or whatever. Yeah. Have you watched that? Um, I'm saving it because isn't it like a scary show, like a horror show or something? Uh, I mean, I think it has like sort of like Battle Royale-esque type of yeah. themes um, where people are forced to play this game and then they die. If they When they get eliminated, that it's like a double meaning, like they're out of the game, but they're also yeah. out of life, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So I haven't watched it yet, but I, my sister recommended it. So yeah, it I've, I've seen a lot of people online recommend it. So I need to watch that. I need to watch Malignant and I need to watch Midnight Mass, but I'm saving all those for um, for October, for September. Yeah. So yeah. What about you? What did you watch? Um, I watched, I'm still watching Kim's, Kim's convenience. I'm on the last season and then, uh, I finished star Wars visions, uh, which is that, uh, sort of animated shorts that are going on. And then, uh, we are recording, we're back to recording geek legacy and the escape pod. Uh, so I had to watch season two, episode one, our last, uh, our last episode, we finished up season one of star Trek, the next generation. And so now we're on to season two and we're, we're sprucing it up a little bit. We're all going to pick characters, uh, sort of make like a drinking game out of it. And we're going to pick like <laughs> uh, each one. Each of the three of us are going to pick three of the main characters. And then uh, which we would argue is probably uh, Picard, Riker and Data. And then uh, we get to pick two supporting characters. So like your your Geordies and your, you know, your Wesley crushers and stuff. Um, and then if the story focuses around them, then you get a point kind of thing. And oh. then you have a couple of other like a little weird things like when Riker steps over a chair 
or however many times they say engage, stuff like that. So that's kind of fun. fun with it. Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah. So looking forward to that. <laughs> and um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Cool. Right on, yeah. man. Good to hear. Um, are you ready to talk about this week's movie? Hell yeah, man. I'm not eating any food, so I won't get sick. But that's that's true. Yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah, can't totally. can't be eating the foods. Why are you watching horror movies? No, not at all. Just a bad idea. <laughs> no. <laughs> not, not my jam. Um, but let's see here. We're doing An American Werewolf in London from 1981. And of course, this is to celebrate October, which is, of course, our spooky month or spooktober, as it were. And so all month long, we are going to be doing horror movies. If you're not a horror fan, then uh, maybe revisit our backlog. Or <laughs> maybe you can go ahead and just continue <laughs> to listen, but just not watch the movie. Easy peasy. Just do Hot Fuzz a bunch. Just watch Hot yeah. Fuzz, and I promise it gets better each time. I fucking love yeah. Hot Fuzz. <laughs> It'll be amazing. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm no, no complaint. I love Big the Hot bushy fuzz. beard. Big bushy. <laughs> I know. I notice that I say that all the time now. It's so stupid. That it's is so funny. Dogs. I say that a lot. You too. say that a lot too. I, I always go. Well, that's certainly not Busta. <laughs> I've been yeah. saying that a lot lately. <laughs> that's funny. Ugh. Anyway, so yeah, Spooktober continues with an American Werewolf in London. Uh, the uh, can we share what we're going to do for the other movies? Hell yeah, okay why not? Them? Yeah, hell yeah, why not? Uh, so we're also going to do Paranormal Activity, and we're going to do Halloween Kills. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy, because that one comes out streaming on Peacock the day it's released, right? Right. It's yeah. like a VOD and theatrical release at the same gut dang. I, I might have to see it in theaters, yeah. though, because it'll just be scarier for me. Especially if I'm by myself. It's going to be laughing the whole time. <laughs> I don't know. You know, Alex actually likes the Halloween movies. So maybe she'll go with me. Cool. Hell yeah. yeah. I love she's, Halloween she's, movies. She's into those. Yeah. She doesn't find them all that scary, but she likes them for some reason. Hmm. Right on. Yeah. I mean, we. you know, what's interesting, too, is I know we're going to do Halloween Kills, but at some point on this show, I would love to visit Rob Zombie's Halloween movie. Uh, I don't think it's half bad. I remember really enjoying it and being scared. So I wouldn't mind talking about it at some point. I didn't like the second one. I, I like the first one a lot. I like Danny Trejo. He's like, I was nice to you, Mikey. <laughs> he gets right. killed. Um, and I really enjoyed. Um, I, yeah, I liked how ruthless it was. I like how he kind of gave a backstory to to Michael. I did not like when he killed the, the other kid as a kid. That was a really disturbing scene for some reason for me. Like just beats him with a, a branch. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did. I liked it for the most part. So I just didn't like the second one. It was so unmemorable. But the first, yeah, the first one was pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe one to, one to revisit. Hell yeah. I saw Voodoo had it for like, pick three movies for $9. And that was one of the movies. <laughs> wow. That's a deal. I was like, eh, I'll get maybe I'll get this. So anyway, uh, so we're going to be doing American Werewolf in London. That was from 1981, directed by John Landis, who you might know from uh, the some comedies actually he did animal house blues brothers trading places coming to america uh spies like us and the three amigos that's uh and all those movies came out like one right after another man i know he's a busy fella he's on a roll he's like all these ideas like adam sandler is (laughs) you know yeah i shared an elevator with this kid once max landis he's an interesting character was he related (laughs) i think i think it's his son I think Max Landis is his son. Really? Yeah. Oh. I'm Google it really fast. Did he say anything Max funny? Max Landis. 
Son of director John Lennon, yeah. Wow, look at that. He's kind of a... He's an interesting character. I won't oh. say anything bad about him, but... He's a, he's a, an interesting sort. Very cool. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I know. There was one time where he was just everywhere we went. It was like me, Dave, and Randy, and this fucking guy was just like stalking us or something. He was just everywhere we went. I see pretty <laughs> girls everywhere I go. <laughs> uh, anyway, the movie was also written by John Landis. <laughs> For all you uh, Ringer fans out there. Uh, in my room. <laughs> at the mall. Uh, it's a one percent. <laughs> it's a bit of a thinker. So the cast includes David Naughton, Jenny Agutter, Jenny Agutter Dunn, John Woodvine, and Griffin Dune. Yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if it's Dunn or Dune. Oh, it might be Dunn. I think it's Dunn. Sure. Dune. Griffin Dunn. Dune, more like dumb. <laughs> <laughs> right. David Naughton, Jenny Gitter Dunn, John Woodvine, and Griffin Dunn. <laughs> All done. The critical reception I had in front of me, and for once, and it is actually doing really, really well on the old tomato meter there. Time will tell, though. It's only been 40 years, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah, it's an indie darling. <laughs> It is standing at a whopping 88%. Holy shit, man. Surprise. That's almost like a couple movies in a row now that I'm surprised at their score. Uh, Pee Wee a couple weeks back was was also like in the 80s, and that blew me away. Well, that one caught fire, you know, after it came out, probably like 10 years after it became that cult classic sort of thing. But sure, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the original reviews for this movie were. I don't have to open up the go to the library and check those sweet like <laughs> the Dewey Decimal System. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> scroll through the computer to find the headlines. Of use, Dewey. The, use the PDF like uh, Doctor Neil did in, in <laughs> yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> yeah, for his hypnosil. Shit. <laughs> oh, anyway, eighty-eight percent on the old tomato meter there, and uh, we'll start with a negative. I like to end on a positive. Uh, Gary Arnold from the Washington Post. You know, those guys. I suspect Landis hoped to keep moviegoers eerily disarmed with an unpredictable mixture of wacky and terrifying touches. Unfortunately, his own touch is so slack and uncertain that the movie ends up dramatically shapeless. Hmm. I wouldn't call it dramatically shapeless. But whatever. He gets paid to do this. I don't. <laughs> He's a professional critic. I'm an amateur. With my <laughs> little tour. I don't need no amateur. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. So then we have Tom Huddleston from Time Out. Rizzo. Shh, puppy chow. Uh, he says, not just gory, but actually frightening. Ooh, Not just funny, but clever. American Werewolf has its flaws, but these are outweighed by the film's many mighty strengths. Hmm. MMS. Yeah. Many mighty strengths. So there you have it. People like the werewolves. You look over there. Doggy's having to freak out. Oh, no. Yeah. Maybe there's a werewolf around these pots. She'll protect you. She will. She's a badass. (laughs) Yeah. So the budget on this film was $18 million, and in the United States, it pulled in a whopping $128 million. And then worldwide, you're looking at $262 million. Holy smokes. 
this movie crushed it. And it is worth noting on opening weekend, which was August 21st, 1981, it did $3.7 million. And that's Pretty only good. in Pretty good for 81. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And, and it was in uh, 870 movie theaters. Hmm. There are, there's like that many movie theaters in California alone. All right. Dude, I remember when like Independence Day came out or something like that. Or Armageddon. It might have been Armageddon. It's like in 4,200 theaters. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, holy shit. Yeah. And then it was like, I don't want to close my eyes. Yeah. I wonder how many theaters shuttered, uh, you know, during the pandemic. You know, I don't know. Like your mom pause. Yeah. They're already kind of going the way of the Dodo with all these like megaplexes and stuff. I know so. it makes me sad. There's a movie theater in in my neighborhood in Ballard called the Majestic Bay, and I love it so much. And uh, they have three screens. Um, they have a discount Tuesday, which is a six bucks for all showings, and it's so cool. Um, and I try to support them. I still have not been back to a theater, but I want to see No Time to Die. Oh, that's what else I watched. I watched uh, Casino Royale today. Um, had it on the background while I was working. I love that movie, and I've seen it a lot. But I I still get so confused with the plot, like why Lashif is you know needing the money yeah (laughs) yeah and it's such a convoluted plot but i mean but it makes sense it's it's an insurance scam basically he was supposed to handle the money he he betted away in stocks and then he was going to blow up that plane so they tanked so he'd make more money and it was just like a a failed thing kind of a weak weak boss in my opinion but i still love mads mickelson and that movie is so goddamn good it's just it's really really well done he's like all night you check 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 and then, right, <laughs> you tricked me. You tricked me. So pay that man. Pay that man. Pay that man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I watched that too. So I'll, I'll probably see No Time to Die in theaters, and then I definitely want to see more like the horror films. So I'll probably see Halloween Kills, and uh, I want to see Venom too. Let there be carnage, just because. I mean, why the hell? Venom not, is right? your favorite movie of all time. Yeah, and and the yeah. only movie that can top it is Venom Two. Oh, like I couldn't stand the first Venom. So, yeah, but I do want to see the second one. I will. Yeah, I'm still a Venom fan. I am a Michael Bolton fan. <laughs> it's when he sings when a man loves a woman, <laughs> when a man loves a woman. I just it doesn't really get much better than that. <laughs> so, all right, well, here's some fun trivia. So this is the first film to earn the Academy Award for Best Makeup. And that went to Rick Baker, actually. That category that category was created in 1981. So that was the year this came out. That is so fascinating. But I think they were like, holy shit, his makeup was incredible. All the songs in this film have the word moon in their title. Mm-hmm. And that's funny because they had blue moon. There was a there was a credence. Oh, yeah. I see a red moon yeah, rising. A bad, a, like bad moon. I think. Oh, is it bad moon? Yeah, I don't know, I think so. I'm not a CCR fan, but yeah. Rick Baker claimed to have been disappointed by the amount of time spent shooting the face changing shot for the transformation after having spent months working on the mechanism. John Landis only required one take lasting about seven seconds. Baker felt he had wasted this time until seeing the film with an audience that applauded during the one seven during that one seven second shot. I agree. That was an incredible scene in the movie. When he transforms into the werewolf for the first time, I was like, oh, yeah. holy shit. I made Alex watch it. I was like, she was coming to get something from the kitchen. I was yeah. like, hey, while I have you here, I want you to see what it means to be, uh, you know, a makeup artist. I actually said that a makeup artist in the 80s. I'm like, now it's visual effects. artists. <laughs> yeah. You know, we talk about visual effects and it's all computers and Hollywood hocus pocus. But in this movie, it was literally you know, makeup and prosthetics and it's crazy town banana pants. And she literally, she started, she was standing when she started, 
But as the transformation's happening, she sat down. <laughs> and she Ugh. was like glued to her TV. <laughs> it's crazy. It's yeah, it just like how his fingers expand, how his feet expand. And I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> and I watched it this morning at like 8, 8 a.m. So I'm like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. keep it down, buddy. I got neighbors. <laughs> ah, whatever. Fuck them neighbors. So John Landis has reported that when he was approving a high definition transfer of the film for DVD in the mid 2000s, he was taken aback by how gory the film actually was. <laughs> so he didn't even know his own creation. It was weird science. See, they got the cat on the window ledge to hiss at David by holding up another cat towards its face. And then this is John Landis's personal favorite film of his own. So we talked about all his hilarious movies. Coming to America is probably like my favorite of his, but uh, this is his favorite. That's so cool. All right. Well, here is a synopsis for anyone who has not seen it. So two American backpackers from New York City, David Kessler and Jack Goodman, are trekking across the moors in Yorkshire. As night falls, they stop at a local pub called The Slaughtered Lamb. Jack notices a five-pointed star on the wall, but when he asks about it, the pub goers become hostile. The pair decide to leave, and the pub goers warn them to keep to the road, steer or stay clear of the moors, and beware of the full moon. David and Jack end up wandering off the road onto the moors and are attacked by an unseen vicious creature. Jack is mauled to death, and David is injured. The beast is shot and killed by some of the pub goers who come out searching for the boys. Instead of a dead animal, David sees the corpse of a naked man lying next to him before passing out. David wakes up three weeks later in a hospital in London. He is interviewed by police inspector Villiers, who tells him that he and Jack were attacked by an escaped lunatic. But David insists they were attacked by some sort of rabid dog or wolf. It was like a dog wolf. An undead Jack. <laughs> Mad appe- bear pig. <laughs> Mad bear pig. An undead Jack appears to David and explains the beast that attacked them was a werewolf and reveals that David is now one. Jack urges David to kill himself before the next full moon, not only because Jack is cursed to linger undead for as long as the bloodline of the werewolf that attacked them survives, but also to prevent David from inflicting the same fate on anyone else. Dr. Hirsch takes a road trip to the slaughtered lamb to see if what David has told him is true. When asked about the incident, the pub goers deny any knowledge of David, Jack, or the attack. However, one described... I know, right? It's like a rap. It's like Belle Bib DeVoe. Now you know. However, now one, you know. Now you know. Yo, slick. Blow. Um, however, one distraught pub goer speaks to David Her or to Dr. Hirsch outside the pub and says David should not have been taken away and that everyone else will be in danger when he transforms. Upon his release from hospital, David moves in with Alex Price, a young nurse who grew infatuated with him in the hospital. He stays in Alex's London flat, where they later have sex. Ooh, promiscuous. Jack, in a more advanced stage of decay, appears to David to warn him that he will become a werewolf the next night. Jack again advises David to take his own life to avoid killing innocent people, but David refuses to believe him. When the full moon rises, uh, David painfully transforms from his human form into a werewolf. David, now in werewolf form, prowls the streets and the London underground, killing and slaughtering six people in the process. He wakes up the next morning naked on the floor of a naked on the floor of a wolf enclosure in the London Zoo with no recollection of what happened and manages to make his way back to Alex's apartment. Sounds like a Natalie Ambrulia song. (laughs) I know. Lying naked on the floor. Illusions never change. That was based on this movie, you know. Yeah, clearly. (laughs) But they couldn't use it because it didn't have moon in the title. (laughs) Lying naked near the moon. <laughs> Bad Moon Rising, by the way. Bad the Moon Rising. There we go. 
I don't know no CCR. I know CPR, but no CCR. After realizing that he became a werewolf and was responsible for the previous night's murders. <laughs> I'm a werewolf. <laughs> murder, you say? David unsuccessfully attempts to get himself arrested in Trafalgar Square. He goes to Piccadilly Circus, calling his family from a phone booth to say he loves them, then loses courage when he attempts to fall to and fails to slit his own wrist with a pocket knife. Uh, David then suddenly sees Jack in a yet more advanced stage of decay outside of an adult movie theater, a porno. He was going to watch a porno inside. Jack is accompanied by David's victims from the previous night, most of whom are furious with David and suggest different methods for him to commit suicide. <laughs> that scene was really funny, by the way. <laughs> yeah, He's like, yeah, don't be amused if we don't if we don't really care to speak with you. <laughs> David transforms again into a werewolf inside the movie theater. He decapitates Inspector Villers and wrecks havoc into the streets, causing the deaths of many drivers and bystanders. He is ultimately trapped and surrounded in an alleyway by the police. Alex runs down the alley in an attempt to calm uh, David by telling him that she loves him. Although David's consciousness appears to recognize her for a brief moment, he lunges forward and is shot by the police. Alex cries while staring at David, reverted to human form, lying dead and naked on the ground. <laughs> Another Natalie and Bruglia song. <laughs> I knew it. I mean, credits. Credits. It ends very, very quick. And that goddamn Piccadilly Circus scene is insane. I'm like, whoa, there's a lot of people dying. Yeah. So uh, double decker buses turn into like four decker buses. And yeah, I'll, I'll be double decker damned. Yeah. <laughs> um, Justin, when did you first see an American werewolf in London? And um, were you wait? Oh, what did I say that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where did you see it? And how did you feel coming out of it? I saw it last night in the privacy of my own home for the very first time. I I'm brand new to the uh, to the American werewolf in London there. And uh, I was kind of bored with it at first, uh, but I remember texting you like, man, this movie sucks. And then <laughs> you said swearwolves. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I called it swearwolves. It's like swearwolves. Swearwolves sucks or something like that. And um, then it got better, though. I like the last I like the last 40 minutes, I'd say. Um, but I as I was watching it. It was it was hard for me to really enjoy. The only the only real kicker is um, at the beginning when it kicks off with the Blue Moon song. That was a song that uh, me and my ex-wife used to sing to my cat. Uh, his name was Simma Down now. And as soon as we started singing it, he would come <laughs> running from wherever he was. It was so cute. Aww. So he's like, Blue Moon. And he just come bolting to come find us. It was so funny. Oh, that's cute. I used yeah. to I used to not like cats, but they really grew on me and they are so sweet and all they want to do is just be loved, just like dogs, but they're a lot more low maintenance than dogs. So I yeah, I like cats. Yeah. They're little cuties. He was adorable. He loved playing. Yeah. Loved them so much, yeah. No. Um, I also watched it for the first time this morning. And um, it's interesting because it's one of those films that I've known about forever. I've seen, you know, pictures of it or I've seen memes from it. Um and it's surprising to me that it took me this long, but I actually really liked this movie a lot. I was uh, I was engaged the entire time, and I know that you were texting me last night about it, and you're like, ugh, that's boring. <laughs> I was like, well, we'll give it a shot. We'll give it the old college try. I liked it. I was actually pretty entertained the entire movie. There were a, a few parts that were a little slower, like during the hospital scenes, but I still really kind of enjoyed all of what was going on, and I really liked the dream sequence where, you know, um, David falls asleep and then he has the whole like Nazi werewolf dream nightmare thing. 
with his family. That was fucking crazy. And then he wakes up and um, what's her name? Alice or Alex. She gets stabbed by the Nazi werewolf. So it was like a dream within a dream. And I, I really enjoyed a lot of that that was going on. Um, not really a fan of of kind of some dead time, but <laughs> yeah, there you go. Not a fan of some of the dead time stuff, but it was a, it was a cool movie. I enjoyed it for the most part. So, yeah, this was my first time seeing it, which was surprising. And we watched it on the Peacock. I borrowed your Peacock account. Oh, man. A little klepto. The um, I didn't <laughs> I think like, it was like Winona Ryder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I paid for those. <laughs> um, we uh, what's his name? Jack. He's the one that went down like a sweet muffin. Oh, right? my God. He goes down so, quick, too. So I liked how every time he was on screen, he just looked worse and worse. and worse. Dude, like the, that was cool. It was He's like, can I have a piece of toast? Makeup. Can I have a piece yeah. of toast? <laughs> that was so gross. The the gashes on his face. I'm like, oh, fuck, no. dude, put some ointment on that and or his, something. And his throat, how it was like, um, like just all stringy and gross. Yeah. yeah. Oh, even when he was getting attacked by the werewolf, I'm like, oh, maybe he's going to make it. Nope. He's not going to make it. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of blood. Like, that was shake it off, Jack. Take, Holy take a salt shit. tablet. You'll be all right. I mean, well, you know, and, and his death was in the first like 10 or 15 minutes of the movie. If you hadn't seen this like I did, I think that was the best thing about it is not seeing it or not seeing a trailer for it going into it being like, holy shit, I wasn't expecting the main character to die that quick. And, um, it was pretty gruesome. I'm like, this is a really heavy film. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like it just kind of picked up and went from there. So I don't know, man. And I think the coolest thing about werewolves, you know, like we've had countless iterations of werewolves throughout film history. And it, it kind of started with the Wolfman from Lon Chaney Jr. And then it went to the, you know, the, the Oscar winning uh, Teen Wolf with Michael J. Fox. And then yeah. the, the, the double Oscar winning Twilight with Taylor Lautner. I mean, we've had a lot of different werewolves, right? I and like sw- where your head's at right now. These are all amazing movies. <laughs> and swearwolves. Tons of swearwolves. But uh, there there have also been some horribly horrible ones and some additionally marvel- marvelously marvel ones. But Justin, what is your favorite per- portrayal or portrayals of the werewolf? And then do you kind of like a bipedal werewolf, uh, one that kind of walks on their you know, hind legs? Or do you like the this one where it was kind of on all fours, kind of like a real wolf? Yeah, so I like them to look like real wolves, especially if they have some sort of human element to them to where they look different than a, a traditional werewolf. Uh, not so much like... Um, so you know in like uh, Prisoner of Azkaban how lanky and kind of weird lupin looks when he's a werewolf that's a little too skinny but i do like them to look just different than a normal wolf you know what i mean so i i like them to have some sort of weird characteristic about them that stands out but i I would say that like um a modern day werewolf version that i like is probably like in the underworld series i like the way that the werewolves are done in that i think they look pretty cool i like how they're fast i like how they're super strong and I like how even vampires are kind of afraid of him, unless you're the yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's the only one that isn't really afraid of werewolves. But I definitely dig that. And I like, I also like how it's a curse. You know, it's almost always a curse, right? Like, they don't like it. But then sometimes they do in some weird way. And like, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of um, the originals that was on CW. And, you know, that was a spinoff from the Vampire Diaries. And Klaus, Klaus Michelson, he was a werewolf. He was a half-breed. And uh, it was he's like a hybrid. And so he's a vampire and a werewolf. He's like both. And uh, he was super cool, too. So I've always liked werewolf and vampire stories, uh, especially when they're together. I think it's fun. And I I remember before I saw Underworld, I was like, man, I really hope, 
you don't know who to root for, like almost like heroes on both sides and we're going to be right. torn. And, and we kind of got that. So I thought that was kind of cool. So yeah. I know that's not this movie, but <laughs> if I have to say, you know, a favorite wolf movie, it would probably be in the vein of the Underworld series. Um, I do like Wolfin. Uh, that movie was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and then just sort of like your couple of, you know, you mentioned prior to the show, like uh, Monster Squad talked about fucking... Uh, I think Friday Night 2 might have had mm-hmm. a werewolf in it, but uh, yeah, just just like fun stuff like that. What about you? Are you are you a walking on two kind of guy or do you like the fours? I think I like the two. And, and let's not forget P- Professor Lupin. He was a werewolf, too. Don't don't worry about that. But um, I mentioned him first. No, I know. But I'm just saying, like, I'm thinking of the two feeted ones. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he did both. So he kind of. Oh, I guess. But when right. he was on four, it looked really weird. It looked it like look the weird. wheelers from Return to Oz were. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're on four legs but it looks like they're doing it the hard way <laughs> yeah that's what i mean it was just yeah. very awkward um but yeah i think that the, the the bipedal is the way to go and that's a little more scary because they're more human-like when it's i mean i get the restraints for this because or the constraints i should say for with this because of the uh, the 80s and, and what you can do but i loved the scene when the the guy who He's like, I can assure you, this isn't very funny. He was so polite oh, yeah. about in it the in subway? the subway. Yeah. When he's going up the escalator and it has that cool overhead shot of the, uh, you know, of David coming through and he's like walking to the escalator. That was a really creepy shot, mm-hmm. but I kind of wish that he was standing up and, and same throughout the entire film. So Silver Bullet has a really good werewolf too. It's the the priest or I think that's what he is, or the, the pastor. That's really awesome. His eyes are kind of buggy, but, you know, the Lon Chaney Jr., the Wolfman is is always a classic because he just looks like a dude with a really long beard and kind of kind of creepy. He's wearing like a Top long hat, T-shirt. Monocle. Yeah. Wearing a long T-shirt. <laughs> so, um, I've yeah, seen, I, so I, I didn't see the Benicio Del Toro one. Did you say that yeah, you like that one yeah, or not? Um, it was OK. It was it was fun. And uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins was in it and Emily Blunt was in it, too. So. I yeah. gotta watch it now. Is it yeah. like a Victorian era Wolfman? Yeah, or is yeah, it... yeah. The transformation's really cool. I thought the transformation was super fun, from what I remember at least. And I saw that movie in theaters, but I don't really remember it doing much. I don't remember much after that. And I think I only saw it once, but it's worth it. I mean, it's it's a oh, good cast. Oh man, yeah. I just I did not know that Joe Johnson directed it. Yeah. <laughs> Are you a Joe Johnson fan or no? No, I can't stand this movie. Don't worry about that thing. Just just watch it. <laughs> just go in and have fun. It's not like it's not going to win any Oscars. No, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Oh, it's just funny. So it just made me laugh. And I really like, you know, in Underworld, how those werewolves, the lichen, it's because it, it's always, you know, the werewolves are the the uncivilized, the dirty people and the vampires are the sexy, cool, clean ones. Right. Yeah. Who drink blood. And it's it's always that class hierarchy or that that fighting. And I don't know. if I mean, it's interesting because this movie never really dives into any of that kind of stuff. And it never tells you how that that guy got bit originally in the beginning and how he became a werewolf and it kind of kept passing on and it really doesn't explain the rules which was kind of fun because there wasn't an exposition scene in this where they were like he got scratched so he became the werewolf they kind of just like talked about it in passing and um i i thought that that was interesting but yeah for me i think definitely that the underworld i agree with you those were some pretty awesome werewolves um for what it's worth and uh i don't know man yeah, the bipedals, I think, to me, would be the scariest just because they're super tall. I guess the walk on all fours would chase you a lot faster, though. 
probably. Right. And I hate being chased. Um, You said something in there that sparked something, but. Oh, yeah. um, The villagers. Do you think that on a not full moon night that whoever was out there running around would be drinking beers with these guys? Do you think that they knew who he was? I think so. And I kind of want to rewatch again to see who was killed. And uh, because he kind of looked like, you know, the basic white guy Englishman that was in the bar. (laughs) So I kind of want to see if that's who it was. But maybe not, because maybe that guy was a werewolf for so long that he because remember when David figured it out and he's like, arrest me, kill me, you know, like I'm a werewolf. Maybe he just completely exiled himself because he knew. And I think the town townsfolk kind of knew, too, because they didn't seem like they were scared. They were inside. And apparently right, werewolves can't mean. go inside. <laughs> like, yeah, they don't know how to use doors. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought about that. And so that's why I was thinking, like, maybe they just know who this guy is. But it's you know, Charlie. It's like a, a village secret. Charlie yeah. bit me. <laughs> so. Yeah. Charlie. Charlie. So to follow up on that, I, I think this movie, it brushes away the whole silver bullet myth. Like, we were kind of talking about that with, uh, you know, full moon stuff and whatever. But did you like that it when, when he's in the movie theater and he's talking to Jack He's like, do I need to use a silver bullet? And Jack's like, dude, seriously, like you don't you don't need that. Did you like that they took away from that mythos of, of only silver bullets kill him? Or did it cheapen the werewolf uh, myth for you? So I think it would have been better if if silver bullets were a thing, only they played it off like it wasn't so that they pretended that they killed the werewolf only for their friend to wake up and live another day kind of thing. Assuming that it was one of their village folk that was out there roaming the countryside, but if they had to come up with a story to, yeah, we put it down or it was a madman. Don't worry about it. We took care of it kind of thing. Frontier justice is what we are talking about. <laughs> yeah. um, but because it wasn't a silver bullet, he can come back. And so it would have been cool if in a post credits world, if it, the movie opens with, you know, the, the post credits would have been, you know, him on the, on like a morgue table or something. And then his eyes open up like, Hey, it wasn't a silver bullet that got him. That would have been kind of fun. And then you have an American werewolf in Germany, I don't know, (laughs) in Munich. (laughs) But yeah, it it is interesting. And I I do like the little um, thing that he said where he was talking about the Lon Chaney film. uh, It's Dick Chaney. He was the vice president. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 9-11 was an inside job. Oh, shit. I'm just kidding. Uh, Anyhow. The scene that he was talking about with uh, with Alex and he said that maybe you have to be killed by the one you love or whatever. I thought that was kind of fun because that threw a whole different, you know, mythos in there and belief of, of what you can kill a werewolf because werewolves don't have as as extensive of a, a backstory as vampires, maybe because, you know, with vampires, you have, we talked about this on the blade episode with garlic and silver and holy water. Hold and the garlic, Zach. Yeah, hold the garlic. <laughs> Do you believe? Have you, have you ever seen? <laughs> <laughs> Hold the garlic. Uh, I yeah. have way too much time on my hands. Sometimes. It was funny, but <laughs> but just like that, I mean, I think it's it's interesting that they they shifted a bit from that. I think Landis was more interested in making a a scary, fun, dark comedy film that was uberly grotesque, and he, I don't think he cared too much about those rules. There weren't mm-hmm. the, the the vampire or the the werewolf rules. I mean, Monster Squad did that. He had Nards in Monster Squad, <laughs> right? Don't we all? That's that is interesting though because we just I just got into a heated discussion about rules 
in horror <laughs> films. And the lack of them really upsets me sometimes. Oh my God, I know, right? Like, what the fuck? If you wake up, you should be awake. It shouldn't be. <laughs> Freddy's yeah. done. It's like you wake up and it should be done, right? Yeah, it's like, fooled you. <laughs> it's so stupid. I, I agree with you. It was it was bugging me when I was watching uh, Nightmare <laughs> 3. I was like, wait, hold on. They just burned themselves, so why aren't they awake? Because it worked yeah. in the first one. Like, uh, yeah, because she puts like yeah, like she puts her arm to like the steam yeah. pipe and yeah. it burns her, and she wakes up. Yeah, she has yeah. the she has the burn mark, but yeah, that's a lot better than a bed full of fire. And I would imagine a fucking like cut to the arm or like you know some acid on you would wake you up. I don't know. It uh, it's so stupid. <laughs> it makes They're me mad too. All heavy sleepers, Zach. <laughs> heavy sleepers. Heavy sleepers. Heavy sleepers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, I'm getting hot. I'm going to oh. strip for a second. Hold, please. Whoa, damn. I'm going to pay good <laughs> just, money for this. <laughs> just talking about those rules got me all flustered and hot and bothered. Getting, getting hot flashes. Yeah. <laughs> First day so as a woman, man. I'm getting hot flashes. <laughs> <laughs> for all you Miss, Mrs. Doubtfire fans. Right <laughs> um, even, even our yeah. buddy, he got really hot too in this Steve. movie. Steve. Oh, wait, who? Oh, God, yeah, that scene. He's like, I'm so hot! Yeah. <laughs> He's like taking off his clothes. <laughs> yeah, he was dry as a bone, and then all of a sudden I was like, whoa, it's like Niagara Falls over here. Yeah. So let's talk about John Landis. He is famous for some of the greatest comedy films ever produced, in my opinion. I mean, we talked about Spies Like Us. We talked about Coming to America, The Blues Brothers, Trading Places. I love Trading Places. It's so funny. We are moving! <laughs> right. Three Amigos, Animal House. Yeah, just really good films and it's so fascinating to see him direct a horror film and you know i had to limit myself in the show notes earlier like when i listed all those because there were just so many great choices but this movie is a complete 180 from his typical films but why in my opinion like i think this worked but justin why did this movie work so well for john landis and are all comedic directors maybe this twisted I know we talked about comedic actors having a good transition to horror, but why did it work so well? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think a lot of it has to do with, I don't know what that little pinky in the brain narf comment was just now. Um, uh, I had like a little cough, but not really. Anyway, um, yeah, so I mean, we talk about timing and just uh, storytelling. I think comedians are really good storytellers. Um, you know, they got to set up everything from beginning to fin- uh, from start to finish. And I do think that that works. Uh, I think that transition works really well with with scary stories. And this movie had its humor, you know, it's 80s humor, but whatever it works. And um, I think that that he, at the end of the day, he's just a storyteller and it worked out just fine. You know, someone like like James Gunn, right? You know, he's he's like Hollywood's new hotness, right? where he can make this ensemble film and he can write his own checks and he can make a really good movie and tell a really good story. And so, and, and he's a, he's a funny guy. I mean, he writes all those jokes crying out loud. So um, I, I think that, I think that the two go really, really well together. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, Randy Van Dyke, friend of mine, you know, he's a comedy writer and he just wrote and directed his first horror movie. And it's awesome. Uh, it's called like dogs. Like, I think it comes out on, it'll be out on VOD when this podcast comes out. Cool. So I mean, I think that there's something to be said about uh, comedy writers and directors making horror films. Yeah, it's so interesting. And um, I mean, it's not a horror film, but it's definitely a a dark, twisted film. You know, Todd Phillips did Joker, and that was such a different change. It was was a big change from what he did, right? This is a guy that gave us juvenile humor like The Hangover, and we get this really poignant and, and utterly scary, you know, dramatic film in The Joker that leaves us uneasy. So it's so interesting because it might go hand in hand where comedy can push the boundary sometimes where you're like, ooh, you laugh, but you're like, oh, God. And I think it's just that next transition of like, 
oh God, I'm not laughing at this. I'm just more mortified. So right. Yeah. I mean, but it's it's it is really cool. And I look at comedic actors who can be in horror films too. And the first thing that comes to mind is Jim Carrey. And I think he was the number 23 was a shitty film, but I believe Jim Carrey can play that kind of psychotic role pretty well. Or even an actor like a Robin Williams, he can play like a psychopath, like an insomnia or in one hour photo. It's just it's in their nature. So, yeah, I don't know. This one was weird. You could see hints of of comedy in it, like there were funny moments, but it was a pretty intense film. And I would never have guessed John Landis did it other than knowing exactly, you know, like he did the thriller video and all these other things. Yeah, never would have guessed. So. I don't know. It was fascinating, though, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I do want to talk about the makeup because we were talking about that a lot. So Rick Baker, he's he's a god in the makeup and, and SFX world. He's responsible for so many of our most memorable films, music videos and commercials. Amidst all of these, um, An American Werewolf in London might be some of his coolest work, in my opinion. And I was personally terrified looking at the screen just at my, you know, eight o'clock this morning when I was drinking my coffee. I was like, oh, God. Why are these practical effects so terrifying? And how would CGI enhance them or lessen them today? So I think the cool thing about practical effects is, you know, they're using latex that a lot of times are molded from people, right? So I think that it automatic it looks real from the start. And then they make it look even more real by, you know, adding like the makeup or the hair or whatever, you know, but that it it's actual flesh tearing, you know, like it, the latex is breaking <laughs> and it looks fucking gross it's and real so gross. And, it's and so it, gross. when it's shot on like this, yeah, I mean, this movie was pretty blurry watching it, you know, like in from the 1980, whatever one or two that it was, like it was all grainy and gross and weird looking, but like, you know, it, it's kind of masked the, the cheesiness of it. So in person, it probably looks pretty, pretty cheese ball, but through a camera lens, it looks pretty fucking awesome. And, and, you know, those those quick shots, uh, how everything was growing and looking bigger. But then also anytime there was like murder, there was so much blood. So they were covering it all with blood anyway. So it worked. The only time the only time stuff that looked really cheesy was like when the head went rolling, you know, but like mm-hmm. when when Rick went down like a sweet muffin and blood just oozing out of his body. Oh, like God. He was just hemorrhaging, right? He had these, oh, these huge gashes in his body. So that was intense, course, man. Leak out of him. Yeah. So that, that looked pretty cool. And, you know, his clothes were covering it. So stuff like that always looks really neat, uh, especially like um, when you look at the wolf transformation uh, and when he's like laying on the ground and it almost looks like, you know, his body is like really small. Um, it's almost like his head and shoulders are in a costume and then maybe he's like in the floor or something. And then they have this really skinny body, uh, this latex body or this costume on the ground. Uh, I don't know how they filmed it, but that's what it looks like. Just like watching it as it was happening, but it looks super real. I mean, there's no way he's this um, uh, Christian Bale machinist, 80 pound man on the ground. You know what I mean? Yeah, (laughs) he's a big dude, so it wasn't going to work out, but it looked really cool as the as the transformation was happening. I was impressed. I was like, holy shit, dude, this guy's really turned into a werewolf right now. Yeah, that was honestly one of the coolest things. I mean, like for anybody who listened to the show, The Thing is one of my favorite movies of all time. And Rob Botton did the practical effects for that. I mean, that seeing that as a kid terrified the shit out of me. But, you know, I keep watching it because I'm just so scared of how grotesque it is. And um, I think he was the disciple of Rick Baker, honestly. Um, 
it's just it, it's so cool to see. But you're right, like, you know, from the get go, when you see Jack and he has the throat cut open and he's like, oh, can I have a piece of toast? I'm like, oh, dude, where's the toast going to go? Your throat's just <laughs> it's <Yeah>. hanging. <laughs> it's hanging off yeah. your bones, Edgar. <laughs> so yeah, um, calm down, guy. Yeah. And then he he decomposes as it goes on, like when they're in the porno theater, you know, and his teeth are all exposed and he's all green and. Oh, it's fucking disgusting, but I love it. I think it's so cool. And there's a reason why they do close ups, because it's like, dude, we have to appreciate the the power that Rick Baker has and, and what he's done. Um, he actually did the the uh, makeup for the Wolfman, the Joe Johnston one we were, we were talking about. Um, so he came back and did the makeup for that one, too. He, he's responsible for Thriller, uh, for Men in Black. He did a lot of that stuff. Harry and the Hendersons. Uh, you, you know, I, I think it's. It's so fascinating the work he's done. Oh, he did um, uh, Nutty Professor too. He did, uh, you know, I do not know that man. That kind of stuff. Right, right. right. I think I called Jack Rick. I didn't mean to do that. No, it's fine. Rick Baker. But uh, I think he also did Texas Chainsaw Massacre as well. Um, So he's done a lot of fun, awesome shit like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it it benefits so well. Because if this this movie was CGI, it just wouldn't have the same effect for me. I'd have been like, oh, whatever. That's like, fake blood and this it's just gushing out like you know corn syrup and and food coloring and i'm like oh god <laughs> right right so that's the thing right like any cgi stuff can be it can date itself really quickly yeah. whereas the only thing that's dating this movie is their clothing you know yeah I mean? and then maybe a few uh set pieces or whatever but the actual uh, makeup and effects you know hold true the only time it ever looks total cheese ball is if it's like a long shot on like a decapitated head or something. Then yeah. you can just see how fake it really is. But uh, for the most part, when a, when a wound is happening in like real time or whatever, as they're filming it, it usually looks pretty good. Ugh, so gross. Yeah, it is gross. Dude, I'm, it was, I'm impressed. It, I was so impressed. I was like, holy shit. So, yeah. So a lot of horror films, you know, they they focus on some sort of uh, American traveling through a foreign country. It's uh, we're Americans. Yeah, uh, only <laughs> only I know ha- my rights. Yeah, yeah. My guns only to have something really terrible happen to them on their travels. I think that's just kind of the trope. Uh, Midsummer, Hostel, The Grudge and The Ritual are some examples, too. Now, I personally I'm a world traveler. I love to backpack. I love to pick up, you know, my my duffel bag or my backpack and go from town to town without a plan. And it's awesome. I stay in hostels and do all that kind of stuff. So I saw this when, when I'm watching it, I totally related to David and Jack. Simple Jack. Jack. Fortunately, I'm not really afraid of something absurdly awful happening to me. Like in these movies, I'm kind of, I don't know, let's call it willful ignorance. But sadly, there are plenty of Americans out there who do think that every Euro trip or every travel experience is going to turn into a hostile like situation where you're going to get your your Achilles cut, you know, and wake up in your own filth, basically. But why is this a problematic thing? Should we even be remotely worried? Uh, I mean, I'm not. I mean, I think you should be aware of your surroundings and maybe if you're going to travel somewhere, you should, you know, do a crash course on some rules and some laws and and maybe when you get to your your area you ask questions <laughs> you know you don't be like the the naive person but just be aware of your surroundings I, I think I think you would be crazy to just trust every human being out there but like like when I think of the movie Taken I feel like that could happen to anybody at any time yeah right? like totally they're, they they're gonna share a cab for a second then they find out where they're gonna where this person lives and then boom home invasion they get taken 
I feel like that happens every single day. Um, but you know, when I went to France, I tried so goddamn hard to get pickpocketed and it didn't happen. Right. <laughs> I literally am just walking around yeah. with $20 in my pocket. Like, Hey, look at me. Steal my shit. <laughs> I wanted a pickpocket story because that's all I ever thought France was full of pickpockets. Man, this and, $20 uh, is burning a hole in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't happen. Nobody took my money. No one took the bait. I was so sad. I was like, fuck, I still have my $20. All I wanted to do was be robbed. And it didn't happen. Oh God. I wanted a fun robbery story. And, uh, Nope didn't happen so i was disappointed but uh i mean the whole the i think part of what makes it so interesting in movies is that it's believable to an extent you know you're in an unfamiliar land you know you don't you don't speak a language or uh you know maybe they don't look kindly to americans or 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 something like that it 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 just makes for a good cinema I, i don't know if there if it holds a lot of water but I do think that it makes for a good viewing experience. I, I think that so many people dream of traveling and they could see themselves going to the beach that was shown in the movie, the beach and, and then, <laughs> and then they, they don't make it, you and know, finding or, Tilda Swinton <laughs> or like, uh, you know, that mo- I like that movie, um, the shallows with uh, Blake Lively, which is being terrorized by that shark. Like I just fucking love that movie. And as ridiculous as it is, I, I will watch it right now. If, if you say, let's just pause and watch the movie. I, I, would, I love it that much. But I mean, just the very idea of that happening makes me not want to surf. So, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's, if it's in my own backyard or if it's in another country, there are some things that just scare me to the point where I don't want to go do it. But I don't, I totally recognize that it is Americans that go off to these other countries, but these movies are also airing here are being shown in the cinemas here in the United States. Totally. I, I do think that it's a, a, a double-sided coin in that, you know, someone that's coming from, uh, you know, like Afghanistan, I think you could easily have a movie with an Afghanistan, um, you know, like a, a refugee from Afghanistan coming to the United States and then them having a hostile situation where they, they got put in a home somewhere in, in a, part of our country that doesn't take kindly to, to like Muslims or something like that. And then them have, you know, a night of terror on the run from angry hillbillies or something like that. That could totally happen. Right. I, could, I could see that happening. So, I mean, it just, it's, it's weird. I know, but I, I do think that uh, coming to this country could be terrifying for a lot of people. We have a lot of unwritten rules. There's a lot of Karens out there. That would be like that <laughs> weirdo in the convenience store at the gas station that rubs you the wrong way. You know, you, uh, they, they pass by you, you're wearing a mask and they're freaking out at you or whatever. So, I mean, I, it's weird to think about it. Like we were talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre, right? And when they are, or even like, um, Hills Have Eyes, when they go to the gas station and the guy working there is just kind of a weirdo and off-putting. Yeah. Can you imagine being from another country and stopping at that gas station and be like, dude, fucking American's crazy. <laughs> this, guy's, <laughs> this guy's a whack job. I gotta get the hell out of here. I know. So, right? I mean... If they're off putting to us, can you imagine what it would be like for someone that's visiting from somewhere else? Yeah. Like, yeah, pass. But I mean, <laughs> there are some places that I just don't want to go, Zach. Like, like I don't want to go into a pyramid ever. Ever. I, I, I can look <laughs> at the pyramid from the freeway or from an airplane, and that's good enough for me. I could Google images of pyramid, and I'd be cool with that. But I, there's no fucking way I'd ever go inside one. Uh, that goes for the pyramids in Egypt. As well as in our southern hemisphere, there's no fucking way I'm ever going into a pyramid that's that's a south of our border. This is no fucking way. This is too many 
like curses or or mythological <laughs> things that could exist that would kill me. I just I can't do it. Like the movie The Ruins. Did you ever see that with like the vines that keep no, going? In? I know oh, it. Yeah, I know what you're talking woo! about though. Yeah, it, there's one called it's like something green. It has green in the title and it's about cannibals or whatever. Like in like the Aztec era. Or, I don't know. It's uh, fucking weird. Oh yeah, man. I think Green Inferno. Yeah, Inferno? your buddy made that movie. Oh, fucking uh, Eli Roth? Yeah, I think he yeah. made that movie. I'm pretty sure he did, and I don't want to watch it because I can't do cannibal stuff. I, I am not a fan of that at all. Um, yeah, yeah that's... Eli Roth did it, yeah. Oof, yeah. Yeah, I can't I can't do that. So there's no. no way, man. I can't. I will never go to a pyramid of any kind, whether it be of, of Egyptian or Latin <laughs> Latin descent. It's not, <laughs> not happening. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Uh, the ruins terrified me of just vines going into my skin and I can't can't do it. Yeah. So, I mean, I, there are things that I will not travel to. Totally. It makes sense. And you're talking about the domestic thing, too. I mean, it could totally happen here. And Steve was just giving us a recommendation about the boy behind the door. And that's about two kids who basically get kidnapped by some pedophiles and some shit happens. And I mean, that kind of stuff can happen every day. So it doesn't necessarily have to be the foreign travel. But the thing I will say is it is a bummer when people get turned off by that. Like my mom, when I went to New York, she's like, well, be careful out there. I'm like, it's fucking New York, mom. I'm not going to get shot or stabbed. I know that (laughs) that's how, you know, the TV show CSI portrays it. Like there's going to be semen everywhere, (laughs) but (laughs) but that's not that's not what happens. And so for me, yeah, I have my wits about me. Of course, I'm not an idiot, but. Um, I, I think it does create a fun and interesting take on on things. And I think for me personally, I'm like, oh, well, yeah, I've traveled a bunch and stayed in the hostel. So maybe I should be a little more careful. But uh, I don't know. So, right. yeah, it's interesting. Uh, but, you know, I think it doesn't even have to be another country, man. If I if I just go to an area I've never been before, then I make sure I have a full tank of gas. Yeah. You know, I try to have some cash on me <laughs> just don't, in case. Don't take a shortcut that a gas station attendant tells you to take. Yeah. He's like, yeah, go down this dick. way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, thank you. We'll stick to the interstate there, bud. Stick to the, to the Siri there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, even if it were to cut off 12 hours of my time, I'd be like, you know what? I can just watch. You know how many times I can watch The Hateful Eight in 12 hours? <laughs> Twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if I'm going to, if I'm going to like, let's say Florida, you know, I'm going to kind of brush up on, on what's happening in Florida before I travel there, you know? Yeah. I, it's just who I am. And I always want to know where the exits are. I'm like, okay, there's the exit. There's the exit. I'm good to go. Totally. I'm yeah. not, I'm not scared. I'm just prepared. As totally. Well. It makes sense. Every time I travel, I always try to be careful. Uh, Mark and I, who was on, Mark was on the show. We went to London once. We met these two guys that were really cool. I think they were on. They just did some coke because they were super like excited. Anyways, nice. they're like, "Oh, Americans! Oh my god!" And they took us to this uh, Mexican restaurant of all places, and we had tequila shots. But they were really weird. And this guy, he's like, "Hey, we're gonna go over here. Trust me. Trust me. It's gonna be great. Trust me. Trust me." And I'm like, uh, <laughs> "If you keep saying it like that, I'm not gonna trust you for much longer." <laughs> So, yeah. I mean, I definitely have my wits about me and you know, I'm looking around everywhere. And I, when I was in Spain, same kind of thing, like we're out, out at 3 a.m. in the Gothic quarter and it was like, you know, dead quiet and we're walking around. And I swear to God, I heard a banjo play somewhere, but it wasn't oh, a banjo, man. it was like a mandolin. <laughs> so, Dude, totally. And you know, another thing is just like taxi cabs. Like, are you really oh, just going to yeah. get into a cab and maybe get kidnapped? Yeah, Whereas, fuck like, that. I would rather take like, a, you know, like a bus or a, a train, you know, like mm-hmm. some sort of public transport. That isn't 
just me and one other person that's driving. Fuck that noise, dude. Yeah. Well, and that's a big reason why I like to travel with people. It's really hard for me to travel solo uh, nowadays, even though I am a guy. I, I understand that. But it's it's just one of those things that I like to share experiences with people. But also for the safety part, it, it's just it's a lot easier to just travel mm-hmm. with friends. So and you can have them put your contraband in their backpack. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Here, hold this for me. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, this movie started out pretty slow for you. Like you were texting me about how boring the swear wolves were. For me, more like slow wolves. <laughs> slow wolves. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I was hooked pretty much through the entire film. I I really liked it. As soon as we see the werewolf attack and kill Jack, I was like, "Whoa, this ain't Joe. That is scary werewolf movie." Subsequently, the film becomes quite jarring as it progresses. Like it gets pretty intense, and I'm like, I don't know if I should be eating a full on, you know. French Soup toast sandwich, sandwich when I mean <laughs> watching yeah. those. But what's the deal with 80s gore? We've talked about this before. Where like in the 80s, the gore is insane. Film films like The Fly and even like a Nightmare on Elm Street, all the iterations of that make it so extreme and disturbing. And it's like they're always trying to gross out the audience. What's what's the deal with 80s gore? Well, I think I think the slasher like your Halloweens and your Friday the 13th. I think they all just tried to just up the ante, man, like. They, they they draw a line, then someone else crosses it, and then they draw another line, and then someone else crosses it, and then so on. And I think it was just sort of like a, how can we make this movie just be more and more gory and graphic and get away with it? And sometimes they, you know, like uh, like RoboCop, right? That was 1986, and that was yeah. an X-rated movie. It's like, whoa, Dude. whoa, 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 can't have yeah. all this blood. Uh, so then they had to get kind of sneaky with it. And and you notice that when people are getting mauled or whatever, the, the shot of them dying is really quick. It's graphic, but it's really fast, like a split second kind of thing. Um, and I think that was their way of kind of cheating it as much as they could uh, with what they had to as to not be like an X-rated movie or whatever. Uh, but I think that was almost the goal. It's like, how can we get this movie to be as gory as possible, but still get an R rating? Right. It's... I'm glad you said RoboCop because I think that's that's a a, a good um, quintessential piece of like what 80s were that extreme violence, total recall kind of same thing, you know, um, and pretty much any Arnold movie from the 80s. But um, did you ever see, you saw a Henry portrait of a serial killer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've never seen that, but I know that's a pretty intense film. And I love Michael Rooker, but I've, I know that's a pretty intense film. But I feel like the 80s horror films were just constantly pushing those boundaries of like, we can get away with whatever the fuck we want, sort of. Because I don't know if they, they were MPAA at that time, like if there was a whole issue with that. Um, I know it was before Nancy Reagan, so they didn't have like parental advisories and whatnot. Um, it just feels so interesting because they kind of did whatever they wanted. And the whole Cronenberg stuff, like love Cronenberg as a director, cannot cannot watch his body dysmorphia films because it just makes me sick. It's 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 gross to me. And I'll watch pretty much anything. That shit I can't watch. So that this movie was definitely getting to that point where I'm like, whoa, this is intense. This is a lot. They need to calm down. Yeah. So I think I, I think it's so interesting that the 80s do that, though. But yeah, I, don't, I honestly I don't know. That was just my guess. But I mean, I feel like. It was just a, how can we push the, everyone's got a scary movie, right? And once there's a certain point where, where they just had to have a scary movie every five seconds and hit the theaters. And I think it was just, how do we, how do we be the next best amazing scary movie? Yeah. They're always trying to up the ante. I mm-hmm. agree with you, man. And, and in the eighties it was gore and violence. Totally. 
So in this movie, though, I did notice a lot of allusions to sex. Uh, Whoa. David was naked a lot. So there's a lot of, a lot of peen in this movie. There um, was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A ton more peen than I'd like to see, honestly. Uh, there was David and Alex having sex. I mean, she was even talking about she'd had seven lovers and three of them were one night stands. And nothing's wrong with that. I'm not saying anything negative about her, but it was just interesting that they added that line because I don't know uh, the porno theater, like them meeting up at the porno. Um, and then all the, the posters of the orgy film, which was the film they actually watched at the theater. It was just interesting and it seemed like it was apparent and needed to be in the movie per John Landis. but. Do you kind of maybe think do you have an idea of what he was trying to imply with with adding sex into this movie? I don't. I just, the eighties are dirty. Even Back to the Future has fucking a porn house with like triple X movies playing in the background. Calvin Klein. So I think it's just the eighties thing. Seventies and eighties, just dirty times. Everyone's just gross. Uh, but I mean, going to Scream rules. You know, if you if you have sex, you're gonna die. Right. That's one of the things. Uh, Having having the intercourse is bad in the motion picture shows when it comes to horror movies. Um, I honestly I don't know. It's just just the time, I guess. I mean, yeah. if, you, if you ever watch Taxi Driver, uh, yeah, Times Square was just like a dirty place, and yeah. just all these gross sex shops everywhere. I mean, they're cool and all. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not knocking them, but the there's something about sitting in a theater where somebody that was in there the movie before you. Probably masturbated in that seat you're sitting in. And that's just not cool, man. Then why is the carpet all wet, Todd? <laughs> yeah. Believe me, Todd knows. Todd yeah. knows. Ooh. And uh, I don't know. That's just a little too seedy for me. I don't, I'm not into that. But yeah. it, it is It is dirty. I'm not going to lie. I don't, well, I, don't, I don't know what the message is, Zach. Hopefully you know, because I, I don't. Other than just the 70s and 80s just being you know, prolific with the intercourse and all kinds of naughtiness happening. I don't have an answer for you. It's like a jungle sometimes. It's keep him wonder how. Keep him going under how. Keep him going under <laughs> the message. Uh, but I, I don't. I mean, this is just my theory on it. I think that a lot of the times, you know, sex and violence go hand in hand. And in, in most horror films, like you were saying, there's there's got to be sex. And I think Landis is really trying to hit it on the nose there because even watching that porn, you're like, wait, this is an orgy film you know, an orgy film that they're going to see. And even watching that porn, it was so fucking weird. Like the guy walks in, he's like, what are you doing here? I told you not to do this. And the guy's like, I'm sorry or whatever. And the gr- he's like, I wasn't talking to you. She's like, I don't even know. you." He's like, okay, see you later. I was like, what the fuck are we watching? It was so weird. I do not know this. Man. Yeah. I do not know this man. And, and it was just and like, he's even like, Ooh, good movie. You know, I think it's maybe how we're so desensitized to, to sex. And I think maybe it, John Landis was saying it's not that big of a deal, kind of maybe why he made this movie so gory. And he realized later, ooh, this is pretty bloody. We're just kind of, we need to be desensitized to it because it's really not that big of a deal. Now, I can be grossed out by the effects and stuff, but I'm still going to watch it. As long as it's not a Cronenberg film where it looks like literal vomit, I'm like, no, I'm fine. And so I think maybe the overt sexuality in the film just played into these young 20 something college kids going throughout Europe trying to get their their dicks wet, right? Right. Um, talk about that at the very beginning. Exactly. He's like, maybe she'll show up or whatever, right? And David's super creepy when he's getting fed his chicken fried steak. He's just staring at the nurse. And I'm like, bro, calm down. Have, you know, have some boundaries for Christ's sake. So <laughs> it, it it is really, really interesting. And I, I, I'm curious, but I have no idea because I can't get inside of his head. I just thought that that would be, that was such a, an apparent thing because, you know, when the, the really um, snooty guy in the subway is running away from from the werewolf. 
um, they show pictures in the tube of that and they show the posters and, and it's, I swear to God, there were some other sexual posters in there. It's just so interesting. But remember, Europe has different views on sex, right? Absolutely. Like they have yeah. the, the, the topless lesbians kissing in orange juice commercials. Happy juice. <laughs> and, and maybe and maybe that was Landis saying like, hey, look, boobs are boobs, man. They're, they're meant to feed babies, you know? Like we shouldn't <laughs> o- overtly sexualize them or, or make them a, a taboo thing. I mean, it took forever for, for people to start saying ass and shit on TV. And, you know, there are certain words you can't say, but at the end of the day, who cares? It's just a word. It's just like boobs right. or boobs, right? Whoa. So, yeah. Calm so, down, you sex fiend. Whoa, sorry. Over here. <laughs> Watching the pornos there. But so I we like did, boobs. I subscribe to National Geographic. Me too. I like boobs all over the place. We did talk about the speed of this film earlier. You were saying slow wolves. Um, I think the climax of this movie is pretty insane. And during the Piccadilly Circus scene, we see David eating people. We see cars crashing. We see bodies just flying out windows and getting run over. It was a pretty insane scene, man. It was all out chaos. I was like, holy shit. But ultimately, this led you to a pretty uneventful death of of David. He gets shot, and then it's just quick cut to credits. How would you like this ending, and do you think it could have been done better? (laughs) I thought the ending was ridiculous. Uh, I mean, the carnage part was cool. But the just the bullets and the credits, like, I mean, it's like instant. We see his body. He's got like three or four holes in him. He's he's naked as per the usual. And then it's credits. And yeah. even Alex was like, whoa, that's the end. I'm like, I know, right? I just started laughing. I was like, I guess it's over. Ran out of film. And uh, I, I was I was beside myself. So I do think that that silver bullet idea would have been kind of cool. Um, but. Whatever. We'll save it for the Landis cut. <laughs> yeah, 40 years later. <laughs> right. But yeah, the, I liked it when he was like breaking through. The, you know, they closed down the the theater yeah. door and then uh, he's trying to bust through and all these cops just show up out of nowhere. There's a million cops and they're like, get their rifles because <laughs> they don't carry guns. Yeah, uh, that was pretty neat. And then uh, there's like sort of sh- chauffeuring people out of the way. Like, hey, go this way, go this way. And then once the wolf comes out, yeah, car accidents like crazy. Uh, that one poor guy that goes out the window and then gets run over. That's unfortunate. That was brutal. There was a lot of that. That's what I mean. It was just, I was like, holy shit. A lot of people are dying. <laughs> yeah. It was intense, man. It got it got out of control. I did like when he, yeah, he jumped through and he bites that guy's head off. And I'm like, whoa. There was a lot of skirting they did to probably get around those, those ratings and stuff. Even how gory as it was, I'm sure that there were certain things to not make it an X-rated film. Right. But, so it yeah. shows him attached to his neck, but then mm-hmm. the next shot is a head rolling a head across rolling. the car. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I did. You know, I did want to see something a little bit different where it's that kind of shock ending where, oh, to be continued. Or I wanted to maybe see him maybe start to transform back to a human and then uh, the cops just get scared and shoot him or something. I think that would have been interesting, but it kind of was like that King Kong ending where beauty killed the beast sort of, I don't know. So yeah. there was no real way he could have gotten out of it because he murdered all these people, but he was also out of his mind. So it was, it was interesting for sure. I don't, I don't know, but I, I, I did, I did enjoy the Piccadilly circus scene. Right. And I liked how the doctor wanted to help him. I liked how the doctor yeah. was, was convinced that he did need his help. I know that he like tried to downplay. He's like, I don't mean like howl at the moon werewolf, but I do think he's in danger. Yeah, totally. And so I think he just needed sort of the scene is believing because he knew that something was definitely wrong. He knew the villagers were lying to him. And so 
it was all coming together. He was a smart guy and he was able to to believe in something, which I thought went a really long way, as opposed to just being this 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 doctor is like, nope, that's not you know, the case is solved. Right. Know? Yeah. He was apprehensive at first, but then he did his own gum shoeing and he mm-hmm. figured it out. And it was that was kind of cool. I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, why didn't you call me, goddamn? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's so funny. I know. It's like, you just walked through the door. <laughs> We're having sex. Oh, and you know who the cab driver was? I think the cab driver was the dude from from Snatch, uh, the one that is the pick farmer. Mm, I'd have to read. I'm pretty sure that that's him. To rewatch it, you could be right. I I don't remember. I'm Brick all those. Top. All those Brits, they're all the same, right? Yeah, he's like, he's like, oh, you believe what's going on out here? And they're like, what's why? What's going on? He's like, it's you ain't watching the news. The demon Baba of Fleet Street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me look him up. His name was Bricktop, right? Bricktop. So his name is Alan Ford, and he was Bricktop in Snatch, and he is credited as taxi driver in An American Wolf in London. Oh, cool. Yeah, That's so like, fun hey, when you, I when know you that see guy. those bit roles. Also, uh, Alex in this movie, Nurse Alex, she plays the mother in Child's Play 2. So when Andy goes and lives at the house, like the foster home, uh, mm-hmm. it's it's the husband who's kind of a piece of shit, and then the wife, and she has that British accent. It's her. It's the nurse. I, I recognize her. I'm like, I know this lady from somewhere. Jenny, and, uh, a gooder done. Yeah, a gooder. <laughs> I thought she's beautiful, and I really liked her a lot. So She reminds me of a girl I dated once. She's in the Avengers. Yeah, She's on I don't know the World Security Council. Oh, cool. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Um, one thing I do want to ask you. So I know you were kind of bored for this movie. I, probably not the whole thing, but you know, did any particular scenes scare you or make you jump at all? Uh, no, I never was scared. I never jumped. Uh, but I will say that the transformation scene was fucking awesome. And then I did like. Uh, when the guy in the in the metro was running all over the place, all those deep space shots in the long hallways. I'm a sucker for long hallways. Yeah. Uh, so that was really cool. The only P- thing that was POV and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing that was funny is that there's this part where the the wolf is clearly close to him, but then when he comes around the corner, he's not there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. That was a that was a fun shot too. Just the whole you know following him and everything and. Um, stalking him uh, really enjoyed actually. So the, the scariest parts for me were that dream sequence with the Nazi werewolves for some reason. I don't know why the fuck they were Nazi werewolves, but it just came out of left field and I was not expecting them to come in and just murder everybody. It was, it really bugged me. I was like, Oh my God. Um, and then the, yeah, the werewolf transformation scene was, was incredible. Cause he just goes from reading a book to be like, I'm so hot and sweating all crazy. Yeah. And, Maybe he Whoa. was reading Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, and you had to throw a bucket of water on him to calm him down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so Holy hot right crap. Now. So yeah. Anyways, that was. I think that's what got me. I liked it when the little boy's like, "Some naked American man just stole <laughs> yeah. my balloons." <laughs> yeah. I like when he's like, "Hey, come here, little boy." He's like, "No." He goes, "I'll give you a pound." He's like, "No." <laughs> Two pounds. Two pounds. Okay. <laughs> All right. Talk <laughs> me into it. Yeah, that was yeah. funny. I really enjoyed that. And just in a bush. Yeah. So, but, um, but yeah, man, that's all I really have to say about an American world, but London, um, you want to share your final thoughts and, and what your letter grade is on this film? Yeah. Uh, so I'm glad I watched it. I'd never seen it before. Like you, it was, it was always on my radar, but just never got around to it. I have seen an American werewolf in Paris and that movie's terrible. It was the <laughs> Devon of werewolf movies. <laughs> Fire Devon. And... He's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. 
we should probably say that that's a thing. So in <laughs> in season two of The Office, when Michael has to fire somebody, it's a Halloween episode, and he goes to fire Creed, and Creed's like, no, fire Devin. He's terrible. <laughs> so when I say that something is the Devin of something, then it's just calling it terrible. Uh, I apologize if you missed that reference. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, I, I think the visual effects are amazing, and I will never fault anyone for really enjoying this movie. I think uh, it does have a lot to offer, but I just, I guess werewolf movies in, in general just aren't really, uh, they're a tough sell, I think. And they mm-hmm. did the best job that they could with this, and um, I'm glad that I watched it, but I don't need to watch it again anytime soon. And I will give it uh, a B minus. Uh, and it only gets a B because of the effects, but it gets the minus for just the slowdowns for me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So I, I'm glad we watched this one. I really liked it a lot, actually. And um, so I definitely give it an A minus because I think it was it was awesome. And I appreciate the what it did for the werewolf genre. Uh, and the werewolf communities, werewolf awareness, yeah. you know, everyone knows yeah. that you know, werewolf pride. I mean, everyone, no one knows that February is werewolf pride month. So yeah, I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, um, it was it was cool and it was a fun thing to, to watch. Um, I will revisit it, but I think that's more just so I can pick up on things I didn't I didn't notice. But yeah, it was uh, it was creepy, man. It was definitely one of those ones that I was. I'm going to like look look over my shoulder every once in a while if I start hearing a growl or, or whatnot. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was um, it was cool. I enjoyed it. So it is on Peacock. If you have Peacock, you can view it. That is in the U.S. I don't know what it is in Canada or what it is in Europe, but it is available. And you do not need to see the sequel in American Werewolf in Paris. See the original in American Werewolf in London. I guess the Paris one isn't the sequel. It's a remake, but ugh, Paris. So, yeah. Sweet. OK, well, are we done then? Is that it? Almost. Almost. Yeah, go ahead. Uh when you stepped away for a half a second, I looked up Max Landis to see what he was up to. Oh. And I didn't even know that he had all these like sexual assault uh, accusations. Uh, apparently he was a, a real creeper. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And he, he was the one hiding in the bushes trying to get balloons from little boys. Yeah. Landis is alleged to have committed sickening psychological and sexual abuse upon scores of women in the cult like community the color society jesus christ within which he cocooned himself yeah yeah fuck that guy particularly yeah so he was just kind of a weirdo when i met him uh i didn't know about him but (laughs) jesus uh yeah it's funny how you get those feelings you know those impressions we're talking about how like you know in in the hills have eyes you stop at the gas station you get a creepy vibe yeah so listen to your gut man if you if you get a creepy vibe then it's that's that's the universe telling you to stay away. I agree with you. Yikes. Yeah. Whew, I almost wish I didn't look that up. Now I feel dirty. <laughs> Go pour some bleach in your eyes now. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Whew, what a creeper. Yikes. So yeah, that that is it. Now I am now I'm done. Cool. Done, Zach. Done. <laughs> well, on that note, thank you for listening to the spooky episode of Don't Be Crazy. It so was so, scary. so fun, so scary. A lot of sex, a lot of werewolves, a lot of what have yous. Remember to follow us on Twitter. That's the social media Twitter. Uh, welcome at, to Werewolf Day. Welcome to John Landis's day. <laughs> Coming to America. DB Crazy Pod, that is the Twitter handle. Edgy Armo, that is Justin's Twitter handle. He always posts funny elephant memes and all these cool things about toys. And he's like, yeah, look at my beard. 
And then please post a thing. Or I'm sorry, please post a thing. Please check out ZachDale60 on Twitter. That is mine. I have a lot of hiking photos. It's pretty crazy. What's your OnlyFans account? My OnlyFans is Dakzale60. <laughs> <laughs> Mountain Hiker69. Mountain, Mountain 420XX every day <laughs> mountain man yeah and then you yeah. can share i don't have an only fans yet where yet. you can share your thoughts with us and we'll discuss them on our show you can even tell us what movie you think we should watch for our next episode and i love it uh we I do have a- one you do what is yeah, it yeah i got a message uh last night i just gotta find it hold please cool it is for um holy smokes how many messages do i get it was <laughs> we get it you're popular <laughs> i know the, uh it's 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 time for The Legend of Billie Jean. What is that? Uh, it's on the Netflix, and we'll have to check it out. Okay. Might yeah, as well, that comes, yeah. That comes from Chad Nichols. Let's see. So thank you 85. very much, Chad. Yeah, The Legend of Billie Jean on Netflix. It's got Helen Slater, Christian Slater. I do yeah, love Christian Slater. Slater. Helen Slater was in City Slickers. I think she was even Supergirl, maybe? She might have been Supergirl. Yeardley Smith is Lisa in The Simpsons. I know that. Yeah. Um, fascinating. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm down for it. Um, we'll have to see what happens. It looks very interesting. Yeah, I told them, I said, that's fine, but it's got to wait till November because we got this October thing happening. Yeah, it's um, it's only 96 minutes, so it's like right Sweet. up our alley. It's I like love the perfect. 90 minute movies. Dude, yeah, it's perfect. Six and a half stars out of 10 on IMDb. Okay, I'm down. We should we should make a podcast where we just watch 90 minute movies. And if it's a Ooh. three hour movie, we cut it into 90 minutes and see if it still makes sense. <laughs> We'd use the skip function. That'd be yeah. actually a really cool idea. Okay. okay. Something that you've never seen before does it still make sense if you cram it into 90 minutes. <laughs> Wait, he's the king now? How did he become the king? How did Aragorn become the king? Didn't he die? Sounds <laughs> he fell weird. off the cliff? Yeah. yeah. Oh boy. Okay. Well. And then, um, yeah, so Justin talked about it earlier. He has another podcast called Geek Legacy Podcast, and they have the Escape Pod. Uh, that's a supplemental Are one. Are we still doing the outro? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the Geek Legacy is great. It's got uh, David, Randy, and Justin, and hilarious guys. They're like three amigos. Uh, I don't know who's Steve Martin, and I don't know who's Martin Short, but Justin is definitely Chevy Chase. I can see oh, that. I'm the dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're the guy that went off the rails a while oh, later. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think um, that is accurate. David's yeah. more of a dick than me. I could see David being that. Yes, you could, you, I could see you being the Steve Martin. I'll take it. He's okay. my hero. He is pretty freaking hilarious. These cans! we got to get away from these cans! <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Here we go. Okay, so just please don't be crazy. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs>